well, if the scary thing worked, that to me is almost like when you start working out and you start gaining muscle and you get stronger, Mm -hmm. then those things don't seem as scary because you're like, wait, that worked. What worked about it? (laughs) Okay, let let me distill what worked and do it again and repeat, repeat, repeat. Welcome to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. I'm Lori Harder, founder of The Bliss Project, three-time fitness world champion, fitness expert, and cover model turned self-love junkie, lifestyle entrepreneur, and author. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought that will help you bust through your fears, connect to your soul, and get focused and clear so you can elevate your life, business, and relationships. We don't wait until we're ready for someone to tell us we're good enough. We take what we want and we anoint ourselves. Get ready to earn, own, and unapologetically rock your happiness every single day. Are you with me? Here we go. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited about today's guest. You guys, today I have Rebecca Minkoff on the show. I've been wanting to chat with her forever on this podcast. She has a new book coming out called Fearless, The New Rules for Unlocking Creativity, Courage, and Success. You guys, we're going to do a book giveaway at the end of this. So stay tuned for that. If you guys don't know who Rebecca Minkoff is, I am sure that you have seen her handbags. You either have one and don't know it or your friend has one. She's an industry leader in accessible luxury handbags, accessories, footwear, and apparel. She is modern bohemian designs that are inspired by strong, confident, and powerful women who are drawn towards a West meets East sensibility. After developing an affinity for design while in the costume department in high school, Rebecca moved to New York at the age of 18 to pursue her dream of becoming a fashion designer. In 2001, she designed a version of the I Love New York t-shirt as part of a five-piece capsule collection, which appeared on The Tonight Show and became an overnight sensation. In 2005, she designed her first handbag, which she dubbed the morning after bag. And this bag became iconic. Today, Rebecca Minkoff is a global brand with a wide range of apparel, handbags, footwear, jewelry, accessories, and products. In the spring of 2017, she also launched watches and Her brand has three national retail stores, eight international locations, and is distributed in over 900 stores worldwide. In 2020, Rebecca will launch a diffusion line of children's clothing called Little Minkoff, marking a foray into designing a truly sustainable and environmentally friendly collection. Rebecca is married to director Gavin Belour, and they reside in Brooklyn with their three children. You guys, I'm so excited. We talk about everything from imposter syndrome to living into your big dreams to still the fears that she faces and what she's going through in her life right now and how her mindset helps her get through all of these things. You guys are going to want to listen because you're going to want to think like her. And let me tell you, you can, you can do this too. So let's get started. Rebecca, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh man, this is like I you're one of those people who I have like three pages of questions, but I know I'm probably we're just going to you just gave me some insight into some things that you are really into right now, which I'm very excited about because you have a book coming out in June which is called Fearless, which I'm so excited. I really want to dig into that because of all the things that you've done. 
I can imagine that you were not born fearless, but that there are a lot of things that you have done and maybe continuing to do that scary thing over and over and all of these almost like universal truths that come when you start to figure out what actually helps you be successful on that journey. So I'm so excited to talk about that. So first of all, I feel like whenever I meet another like author, I feel immediately like we have something in common because the book journey is serious. <laughs> it's like a real deal. So are you still writing right now? No, I'm done. I'm in the four-month countdown, which the pressure is on and the the publishing team is like crazy about what we're doing, the marketing, getting the book sold. And with the pandemic, they're like, hey, no one's buying books anymore unless you get pre-orders. So get as many as you can. And I was like, cool. I've never done this before. So I need all the tips because I got all cocky this weekend. I was like, oh, it's been in this newsletter and this thing and this thing. And then I checked my pre-orders and I was like, oh, okay. That doesn't work. So... Oh my gosh. Okay. So literally this is a book reading audience. It's funny. And and it's also a lot of people who want to write books. So I literally am just like... It, that process is so real. I went through that whole process about 3 years ago of like the pre-orders and getting them all out there. So I so feel you. And we're going to do everything we can with this podcast for people to read this book because it's right up their alley. So what made you choose this topic? I want to hear why this has like hit home with you and what this means to you. A couple of things. Many, many years ago, when when I launched the company, mm -hmm. not many, 15, almost a decade and a half, there was a prescribed way to be successful as a designer. Mm -hmm. You had to have Anna Wintour support, maybe a Barney's, and then you became the newest, hottest, latest thing. You were in vogue. And I didn't come that way. I wasn't given her seal of approval. I came because the consumer embraced me in a way that technology allowed to have happened. It was the emergence of social media, of direct to consumer. So we tried for so many years to fit into this, like just to get the approval and just to be loved by this industry. And a consultant of ours was like, every time you went your own way, you've had success. And every time you've tried to follow the route of these designers that are the lucky ones or the anointed ones, you fail. Mm -hmm. So stop following those rules and just create your own. And when he gave me enough examples of where we had succeeded and where we had lost, I was like, get this parachute off my back. I'm going to free fall. Mm. Like we literally have nothing to lose by making our own path. So that was point number one. Point number two was, you know, we worked with this, with this branding firm that it's funny at the end of the day, it's what you were anyways, you just couldn't see it. Mm. And again, this was like four years ago. And they said, if we track who, if we boil down you to the essence, you moved to New York City with nowhere to live in two suitcases. You launched a company uh, when this woman said, you know, send me a t-shirt and you sent it to her before 9-11. When she came back to you and, and said, if you designed bags, you lied and said yes. Like there were these fearless moments, even mm -hmm. if I was fearful, because I think people hear the word fearless and they yeah. go, oh, but I fear that must not be me. It's you have it, but you do it anyways. Mm. And so I, I chose that title because I want people to know that it's okay to be scared. I'm scared all the time, but it's like, you don't let that be the thing that stops you. Oh God, I love that so much because I'm literally, I feel like I just live that every day and I'm always trying to explain what this is. So I want to know what are the... So I think what stops people is like, 
So the moment of sending the email or when you were asked, you know, do you design bags and you just say yes to something that's not even there yet. What are the things that you say afterward to yourself in order for you to kind of like support yourself, you know, so that you're not going down this sabotaging spiral of you're so stupid. Why did you send that? Oh my God. And then you worry about it. And then maybe you send another frantic email or all the things that we can do to sabotage ourselves afterward. Um, What do you say to yourself afterward after you do the scary things? Well, if the scary thing worked, that to me is almost like when you start working out and you start gaining muscle and you get stronger, Mm -hmm. then those things don't seem as scary because you're like, wait, that worked. What worked about it? (laughs) Okay. let Let me distill what worked and do it again and repeat, repeat, repeat. When it doesn't work, it's not the mantra. You don't let yourself have the mantra of I'm a failure. I'm a loser. Why did I do that? I'm such an idiot. I think the purest way to explain it. And a woman I interviewed on my podcast explained it perfectly. She had a technology background and, and worked in Silicon Valley forever. None of those engineers, when they're trying a beta of something or iOS version 2.3, 2.4, mm-hmm. no one says when that doesn't work. I'm a failure. They're like, it goes into the failure funnel. Hmm. Let's keep optimizing. They view their updates to their system as just improving the bugs, right? Yep. So why can't your attempts at at something be viewed through that lens? And so it just becomes technical, not emotional. Hmm. Tell me about that interim when you don't have an answer yet. Let's say you've sent the emails or done all the big asks and it's like crickets. You're not hearing anything. Tell me about what what that feels like in the middle and also what follow-up means to being successful. Okay. I also break this down into remove the emotion. Mm. It's a mathematical equation. So I learned very long ago that if I handed out X amount of postcards in Union Square promoting you to go buy my top at the one boutique that sold me, I would measure it. Okay, Mm. 30 postcards and I got a sale. That means Mm. if I want 10 sales, that's 300 postcards. So for me, when I'm, when I'm reaching out about things or, you know, asking people to promote the book, for instance, I'm not thinking as this is the only person who will ever do it. And if they don't help me, I'm screwed. I'm like, how many people does it take before I get a yes? And now I'm going to multiply that. So if I want two yeses, every 60 people, that's 120 people. I get four yeses. You'll begin to see that it'll start to, there'll be a point at which the inbound begins. And so I just look at it from that perspective. And then there isn't that questioning, that worry or concern because everyone, there's going to be a lot of no's. Yeah. I I love that so much. It's all numbers. I'm so great. My husband is like a numbers person. So that's super helpful because I'm a creative. He's a numbers person. And he's always like, I'll... I'll be in the emotion, right? And he's always like, Lori, it's just business or it's just numbers. Let's break it down. (laughs) I was like, oh, that's right. I learned that really quickly in network marketing. I'm like, you have to over ask from way back when I was, uh, you know, just that's kind of like the crash course in business for me. And it was always just a numbers thing. Like I just knew I had to ask a huge amount of people, you know, in order to get that yes. So what do you see that stops most people? What are some things that you're just like, oh man, I wish I, this is why I need to write this book. This is what I'm seeing. This is the block, especially, you know, I, I mostly chat with a lot of women and I feel like our blocks are a, a bit different sometimes than men's because of what we're seeing potentially in our conversation. So what do you see typically stopping women? I think that some women, and I'm not saying this as the perfectly 
it, it like uh, whatever, like that I've achieved it all human, but asking for permission, needing approval, mm. wanting to be liked, being seen as strong. I think that sometimes women are afraid to be seen as strong because it can have connotations of you're a bitch. Are you on your period? Are you a power? And then being afraid to call that accusation out. Mm. So I think, you know, don't ask for permission. Give yourself the permission to stop asking for permission. I think, you know, we're very multifaceted. We're very multidimensional. And if you look back, you know, men have 10,000 years on us of going out to forage for food and being brave while, you know, our wombs and our nerves that connect to that Mm. had a purpose. And so now that we're interested and excited about business and careers and our passions, like how do you not view that, that intuition as a bad thing? Mm. It's a good thing. And how do you put that intuition to use to be your power? Mm. So good. Was there, so with the permission approval and being liked, were there things in your life where you were at first, like you were really wanting the approval, you were really wanting, like seeking the permission and the validation and where, what was the moment where you just kind of had the aha of like, or, or the, the part where you're just like, you're fed up. Like you almost just get so sick of it that you have that like no more moment. What were, what were some of those for you? So we launched and got well-known for bags. Yeah. Uh, when the recession in 2008, 2009 hit, we lowered our prices because our woman, our customer was impacted yeah. and couldn't afford those, those prices anymore. And so we became known, most known for a bag that was $195. But in my seeking of approval, I would have these dumb runway shows, sell, not you know making clothing that the woman who's wearing my bags could never wear, mm-hmm. let alone I couldn't wear it. Where was that woman going? I was doing it to seek the approval of the industry who mm. told me, if you want to be written about, loved by the editors, invited to the parties, you need to make runway worthy designs. Mm. And when I finally was like, fuck it, she wants a cute <laughs> sweatshirt. Okay. Yes. No, like, where are you going with this gown? So I think that <laughs> seeking of approval, not only did it never come, but it mm. cost us tens of millions of dollars in those shows and the samples and the team to design them all just to be like, at the end of the day, she wants my cute t-shirt, my cute sweatshirts, and maybe a dress sometimes. So that was a seeking of approval. I think on the permission front, some of the things we did early on, um, whether it was using influencers, which no one was using, speaking to our customer online, we almost felt like when stores would sit us down and they would say, don't talk to your customer. Don't use influencers. They're mm. D-list celebrities. I almost felt like I needed their permission to do it. And we yeah. we didn't listen, but it like it like ate away at me. I was like, oh, I don't have their permission to do this. Are they going to carry us? I don't know. They're threatening not to. What happens if they don't carry us? Where will we sell? So those are two kind of bigger examples of, of those moments where we definitely felt that way. Oh man, I yeah, I hear that all the time. And I've definitely seen that in my journey as well. Just the moment where someone maybe you kind of have put on a pedestal or that you look up to tells you something opposite of what you're really, truly, authentically feeling. And you're like, oh God, <laughs> like, what do I do? Even though that authentic drive is what really is going to push your business forward because you're the heartbeat of it. So what did you, from the beginning, what like, how did you know exactly what you wanted to design? Like who in your head, and I know you've touched on it a little bit, 
who was your customer and what excited you about her and you know like what aligned for you that you wanted to create i think i was the customer mm. i was 25 years old i couldn't afford i could barely afford my rent i could barely i couldn't go out to eat and i wanted a bag you know at the time it was the rise of the it bags these bags that you you thought you had to have yeah and then 3 months later you'd be like oh she's still wearing that bag <laughs> um and like the Fendi spy bag or mm. you know some of these iconic bags that just get old real fast once everyone has them and i just wanted a bag that a would be trendy but classic at the same time that was affordable and that didn't have some big gold plaque on it that signified how much I spent. Mm. Um, and price was important because I, I was poor. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't afford the bag if I had to actually pay for it. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was about creating an accessible price point, luxury made that stood the test of time. And so that was the, uh, the initial impetus for creating that. And then as I got to know my customer, you know, what I learned from her is, I was part of her milestone moments. Mm. You know, she'd be like, I first got your bag when I got a promotion, got a raise, quit my job. Like she would name all these moments where this bag was like a moment to her of like, I've made it. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, that became something that was like a true pillar to the brand in that way. Yeah. I pretty much shared that, that life of wanting, wanting those bags at that age as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're great. We're grateful for you. What would you say, as you've kind of discovered along the way of being an entrepreneur, being a creator, and and starting this business? What would you say that you've learned is a universal truth for being successful in business? Like, what is something that you always kind of go and pull from your toolbox that you're like, this is just if I apply this, I know it's it's something that's tried and true. I think that we are so used to the idea today of clicking a button mm. to get your groceries, order your car. If you live in a city, whatever it is, it's like click. And I think we've forgotten that your career is a journey. It is a long haul and that you have to view it that way. It's, it's decades long to get to where you maybe mm. want to be. It's not going to happen in the first year, the second year, the goal can't be fame or money. It never works. And so allow your journey to be the the reason for doing it not necessarily the end goal end goals are important you need mm -hmm. it but take the i need to have this happen now yesterday tomorrow or else because it, it's going to be a journey that's going to be filled with these peaks and valleys and that's part of it no matter what industry no one just has it like smooth ride mm -hmm. so strap in and be ready for the long haul and be prepared to, for the ups and downs so because there are so many ups and downs, and I'm sure that you've had that point where you're like, damn, if I keep applying all the stress to myself, I'm not going to have any fun doing this thing that I set out to have fun with. How did you start to you know, enjoy the journey along the way? What were some things that you either implemented or said to yourself or supported yourself around? What did that look like so that you were like, okay, you know, potentially I'm done stressing myself out beyond <laughs> what needs to be done. How can I start enjoying this process? So I think, first of all, it's okay to not enjoy it sometimes. Yeah. There's so much as an entrepreneur and shit you're dealt on a daily basis. It's okay that you can have bad days where mm -hmm. you hate it. You want to throw in the towel. And I think what, what keeps you going can be different levers at different times. Mm. Um, so for, for instance, you know, in the beginning, I had nothing to lose. So 
that's all I could think about. It was all I dreamt about was my career. Then I had a kid. And then when you're having a bad day, you're like, well, I got to pay for this kid. So I should probably keep going, you know, (laughs) or other times it's allowing myself the freedom to go, what would I rather do? Oh shit. I can't even think of anything I'd rather do. So I better be inspired again. Mm. I think looking back sometimes and going into your original reason for starting the business in the first place, you know, Mm. reigniting that original uh, flame can be helpful too, but feel the feels, you know, let yourself explore. Would you rather be doing something else? Is there, you know, Mm -hmm. is there a way that you could take that new goal? And if you are having some traction and success, you know, put it into yours, you know, for me, Mm -hmm. helping and fostering female founders, right? How did I marry those two worlds? Well, I launched an organization that does that. And it's part of who I interview on my podcast or my Instagram lives or the businesses we promote. So I can take a passion that I had Mm. and add it and augment my, my goal. Mm, I love that. That makes sense. Oh, totally. Um, I'm like right there with you. So let me take a minute to remind you why Indeed is so important. You guys, I have hired a lot of people and I can tell you it's one of the most important decisions that you will make in your business because it's truly going to be the people who surround you who are going to help you bring that business to the next level. Indeed.com is the hiring site that helps you find quality candidates with Indeed Instant Match. Indeed searches through the millions of resumes in their database to help show you all the great candidates instantly. So you can do the part you really need to do faster, which is meeting and hiring great people. Unlike some hiring sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility, delivering a quality shortlist faster. With Indeed, there are no long-term contracts. You can pause your account at any time and you only pay for what you need. With Instant Match, you see a list of great candidates with zero weight. So Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. Want your quality shortlist fast? You need Indeed right now. Our listeners get a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash happy. This is Indeed's best offer available anywhere. Get a free $75 credit at indeed.com slash happy. Indeed.com slash happy. Offer valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. So tell me about pressure? How do you handle it? Have you ever created, you know, positive pressure in your life to pull through and show up for things? What's your relationship like with that? That's a good question. I feel like I feel under pressure all the time and I don't know what it's like to not feel like I'm under pressure. Hmm. Um, I think people see big company, big brand, but like there is pressure all the time, Hmm. especially during the pandemic. Uh, I've never felt more. And so I don't, I don't know what I would do without it. Mm. How did <laughs> you... So how did you... No. <laughs> like, no, over here under pressure. Um, so how do you... Like, so it sounds like, you know, even though there's a lot of pressure, it sounds like you've learned how to kind of cope with it and, and let it drive you instead of letting it, you know, consume you or take you under. So are there certain things in your head that maybe you wake up and you're like, okay, here's how I'm going to... Here's how I'm going to come at this today. Yes. So it might sound very simple, but I, it, it does help me focus is I'm a big list maker. I'm a big 
catalog of different things, but I also prioritize stuff. So when I feel that pressure and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed. I don't even know what to start with. I literally have right now eight different sticky note, you know, colored tabs that are the long post-it notes. And it's like the book, here's the list. Female Founder Collective, here's the list. Podcast, here's the list. Rebecca Minkoff, here's the list. Personal, here's the list. And then I can, A, it's not all jumbled. Mm. And I can go, okay, what's the priority? What is the most important thing? Do I need a gynecological exam? I really do. But guess what? My e-com sales are down today. So I'm going to focus on this other <laughs> list. And so I just, I just sort of look at the priorities each day and I make that almost like I can put it out there. So it's just not sitting in my head. Oh God, yes. Like whatever I don't have a plan around or is disorganized is what I feel the most anxiety and pressure around. I love that. Just kind of like, okay, even though I feel like I should be doing this thing right now, if I don't break it down, that's the best advice. If I don't break it down and create organization, it's just going to get worse. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So what do you think is your zone of genius? Like what Where are you? What are you doing when you are at your best, when you just are in flow and you love yourself? Like you just love what you're doing. I think when I'm managing a very large pressure intense project (laughs) and being able to be creative about how we deploy it. So we just came off of a fashion week and, you know, having a couple of aha moments along the way, let's launch on OnlyFans, let's launch on Clubhouse. Let's time that with Fashion Week and get people behind the scenes access as we're doing this whole thing. Hmm. Pinterest launch creators. How can we create content for there? That's how to. And like when you see all that pop off and Mm -hmm. then the success that it brings and the dimension it brought to our show and our Fashion Week experience and all the press that came from it, I could have taken the easy route and just had a show, Hmm. which is hard enough in a pandemic. And then I was like, let me, let me make sure this is the most multidimensional experience for anyone who wants it. And so Mm. that's when I feel like I'm at my best when I'm able to sort of step out of the prescribed path and sort of look at it from more of a spherical perspective. Which takes a lot of, you know, risk and trial and error to be able to do that. Like to throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what sticks and let that be. Have have you always been that way? Has that been kind of like, let's just try all of these different things, gather data, and then create more of a plan around that? Yeah, I think it goes back to my, it's a numbers game. You know, I feel like if you are able or capable or have the team that can help you be, in our case with social media, on everything as much as possible, see what sticks, see where you're getting traction, optimize from there. Um, for us, that's been a great a great reason for success. Hmm. So I... I know as an entrepreneur, there's always going to be days and things that you don't want to do. And sometimes in your career, there's like stuff that you probably still, you know, don't want to be doing and can't get rid of. But what was the tipping point for you when you were building your company and building your team that you found that you were kind of getting like pulled out of your zone of genius and you were no longer like moving the needle in the way that you could or putting your energy to the best use of time? How did you like figure out what was draining you? And then how did you support yourself right away so that you could get back into what you were best at? So the irony there is what I'm best at is not what I thought my zone of genius was. Interesting. What is that? Oh, so I, I wanted to just be in the design room. I wanted to live and breathe there, 
60 hours a week, toying over the Pantone color of this pink, setting on the exact size of this heart. Mm. I loved that. And then, you know, my brother, who's my co-founder and CEO was like, you need to be forward facing Mm. as as he was looking at the rise of influencers and people following personalities. I was like, I don't want to do that. That's (laughs) beneath me. I just want to be in the back with my team. And the truth of the matter is, is then I tried to be both Mm. and you can't do that level of dedication that's needed as a designer. If you're on a plane at a trunk show I, there was one time I was in 30 cities over mm. the course of a few months to try and run a design team and do that and approve prints. And like, it was impossible. And I was starting to become shitty on the front mm. and shitty in the back. Uh. And so after my last maternity leave, we just made the decision to hire someone who that's what they do all day. They live it and breathe it. They're an expert. And I get to weigh in. I get to have my, here's my mood. Here's my inspiration. Here's what I'm thinking but I'm not sitting there, you know, worrying about the thread count anymore. And I felt for the first two months, like something had died when I let go of that. Mm. And then I felt so free Mm. in a way that I could push the company forward, be the person on the front, you know, be able to launch a podcast, launch a collective, write a book, Mm -hmm. you know, drop into clubhouse, whatever it is. And I could never do that if I was still just shied away in the back. And I don't know that the brand would exist because no one would have that connection with the person whose name it is. Mm. Was there a switch or do you think that you always, do you think that you had a natural inclination to be more front facing? Like, or was that something you had to learn or was that something you just didn't know you were good at until you tried it? I knew that I had, I knew that I was good at the PR, the marketing, the spin of things. I knew that I was good at creating relationships. Um, but I definitely had to learn. I'll never forget when I had my like, oh God, is this what I'm going to be doing all <laughs> yes. the time with my phone? Yeah. You know, like, oh Lord, I, just, <laughs> I, ne- I won't forget that feeling. And like, now I have to start documenting what I eat. Mm. Okay. Now I have to give people the recipe. Like uh, that was a very, I had to learn and I had to, you know figure out how to not hate myself yeah. for doing that. Mm-hmm. It's like a lot of personal development. <laughs> so tell, tell me about the role of, um, you know, relationships in your life, how, who you've had to surround yourself with in order to become the person that you are today. What role has that played for you? I think that relationships are everything. And I am a big believer that that is, one of the most important ingredients to success. And it's not a relation in my book. I talk about, um, social climbing Mm. and how, you know, you, the different shift of viewpoint of when you're using people to get ahead, or are you creating genuine relationships Mm. and how do you do that? And what does that mean? It doesn't mean that they did something for you and you have to do something back for them but it means you show your gratefulness. It means you stay in touch. It means you care about that person. And so I think, you know, I had a Japanese boss and she was like, I'm going to teach you the art of gratefulness and gratitude in Japanese. This is what, when you send a thank you note, this is when Mm. you send flowers, this is how you acknowledge another human helping you. And that stuck with me and, you know, something I I practice to this day. So I think that don't use people, Mm -hmm. you know, figure out how can you, how can you mutually benefit from a relationship? Mm. And that's when you do the most success. I love that. I, I literally am a 
obsessed with just the concept of, of relationships and, and value adding. And so my question for you, I think with, you know, one of the struggles that I had when I was first understanding this and also knowing that in order to build what I wanted to build, I had to really, I had to ask, like I could be adding all the value, but if I didn't actually ask for what I needed, it was, it, you're not really going anywhere. So I, and I think that's true for a lot of people that I talk to is they, the art of asking, what does that look like when you have had a, a you've definitely added value maybe you you show up in that way you know quite a bit in your life but the initial like asking whether it's for you know maybe you're raising money maybe it's for an introduction can you tell me a little bit about how you go about like the art of asking for what you need yeah i think it can seem scary but i tell people practice with your best friend mm. you know uh, then practice in a way that if you get denied, it's okay. Yeah. Know that you're going to get so many more no's than yeses. So get comfortable with hearing the word no. And I just say, you just, it's like, I liken it to a muscle. You've got to keep asking. You've got to keep putting it out there. And I still will put out an ask and feel nauseous mm, same. at what I'm asking <laughs> of someone. But you'll never know. So do you want to be the person that sits around and is like, you never know or tapped into your potential mm-hmm. or what you could be? Or do you want to just hear the no a lot and be like, all right, next. now, now when I hear no, I'm like, all right, that sucks. Okay. Next. Hmm. But because I've done it so many times. Yeah. I love hearing and, that and you still get nauseous though. It's so good to hear. <laughs> oh my gosh. We pitched a company on a really big project and I was learning from someone who I work with and she was like, this is what we're going to ask for. And I was like, oh God, that (laughs) terrifies me. But she wasn't terrified because she came from a company where that number was tiny. Mm. You know, so to her, she's like, "Uh, we should actually be asking for more. And I was like, I'm going to put my big girl pants on and I'm just going to sit here and watch this happen. And it worked. So Mm. I think, you know, do it. You have the nausea, do it anyway. Oh God, there's so much, there was so much that you just shared there, like right around, even to the the extent of you working with someone who had been in another circle where that wasn't as big of a deal. Like that is the power of relationships as well. Like getting in a room with someone who's like, oh yeah, that's not that big. Like this is normal. And it, and all of a sudden it completely like normalizes something that just blows your mind. That it just, it's, it's huge. So who has up-leveled you? Who, is there somebody that you either want to mention or just even just like share a time in your life where they truly called you up into a higher place or, or let you in on, you know, something that blew your mind that helped you realize what you were capable of? Yeah, I'll give uh, I'll give two shout outs. One to my brother, you know, this was probably seven years ago. He was like, you need to expand your horizons of knowledge. You need to learn the business of fashion. Mm. It cannot just be about the trending color of the day. And I was so resentful when he did this. And then when I took my next business trip, I like begrudgingly like bought an Inc. magazine instead of Forbes. And then I bought a fast company. And then I was like, Oh, this is fascinating. Mm. And I'm so much better as a designer, as a creator, as a marketer for having learned the business side. In fact, I wish I would have learned it a lot sooner. Mm. So he forced me, he shamed me into (laughs) up-leveling. And then my co-founder at the Female Founder Collective, again, she came from certain situations where what we're trying to do and achieve is small potatoes compared to where she was. So she's really helped me think in a much larger picture Mm -hmm. when it comes to the impact we can have on women or 
uh, members to our collective or how we serve them. And um, it's it's very valuable to be able to still grow like that. Mm. I love that. I can imagine like your your podcast too is probably always bringing in new... That's why I love my podcast. I literally am just like, let's have these conversations because it's just like so eye-opening. You know, I'm like, what? <laughs> it's like freedom for me. Yeah. Okay, so I want to take a break right here to talk about Liquid IV because whether you are an entrepreneur or an athlete, yes, I'm comparing the two, you need energy and mental stamina. And that's why I love Liquid IV. If you're anything like me, a toddler trapped in an adult person's body who has trouble getting all of their good habits in, especially water, Liquid IV is one of the best ways to help you get your water intake. And not just that, one stick is like drinking two cups of coffee coffee and it's an all natural alternative to processed energy drinks for a sustained energy boost throughout the day. You guys, when you're hydrated, you're not only going to think clearer, but you're going to perform so much better, not only at work, but in the gym as well. Half of Americans report that they struggle with daily fatigue. So what I love most is the fact that it actually helps me drink water and I feel so much better. So it has enhanced rapid absorption into the bloodstream that gives us a lasting energy boost fast. You can power your mornings. It fuels long days at work and provides a boost for those tough workouts. It has clean ingredients, non-GMO. It's vegan. It's gluten-free, dairy and soy-free, and it's super convenient packaging. You can literally throw it in your bag, your backpack, your purse, anywhere you're going. What I also love is that they're super mission-driven. The company has donated over 10 million servings globally. And in response to COVID-19, over 4 million products are being donated to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, and active U.S. military. Grab your energy liquid IV in bulk nationwide at Costco, or you can save money and you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code HAPPY at checkout because you guys know that I love to give discounts on all of the products that I love. So that is a huge bonus. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code HAPPY at liquidiv.com. Start fueling your adventures today at liquidiv.com, promo code HAPPY. So what is something for you that your you know podcast and the conversation with all of these different people has done for you? Like what's been the value there? The value for me is even though you know you're not alone, you can still feel really lonely sometimes mm. in terms of being uh, in business, an entrepreneur, some of the struggles, parenting stuff, whatever. Mm. Mm-hmm. And every time I interview one of these women, I'm like, I'm not alone. There is an incredible person in front of me that's going through it too. I think it just feels very human. Mm-hmm. Like you're connecting on a level like, you know, Instagram can make it seem like everything ha- is perfect and worked out. And then we get into these talks with these women and it's like, it's not worked out and that's life mm-hmm. and we're figuring it out. And here's where I failed. Here's why I succeeded. And that to me is very, um, it's just nice to see that you're in it with everyone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's literally why I love it too. What for you has... so in life, in relationships, in business, there's there's a lot of stuff that doesn't end the way that you want. There's relationships that don't work out. There's people who may not like you and you don't get to explain because maybe they cut you out of their life or whatever, whatever that looks like. What do you do when things do not end the way that you want? How do you make peace with how things ended if you can't go back 
and fix them? Like, how do you make peace with those open loops that don't seem to end the way that you want? I think in some cases, uh, it's impossible Mm -hmm. to get that closure. I think what I've done a lot of learning in classes and personal growth is I find rather than being the finger pointer and the look what she did to me, look what he did to me. I go, what was I responsible for? And Mm. how did I cause that? Or if they were terrible to me, why did I tolerate that? Mm. You know, and I try and find some part of it that I could be responsible for. And that's a better, it's uncomfortable, but that's, I can tolerate that feeling Mm. because you can point that finger forever, but then you'll never move on. And if you can find out what were, what, what did I cause in that? Or how was I responsible? I think for me, it allows me to like free up from it and and move forward. Mm. So good. Is there anything in your life right now that you feel like you're, maybe it's in your schedule or maybe it's how you're functioning. Like you feel like you are tolerating that needs to go like something that you're like, dang it, I need to have that conversation or dang it. I need to like switch that thing in my schedule. I'm over firing on many cylinders right Mm. now. And I'm starting to feel like this is not, it's not something that I can continue for very much longer. Mm. And I need to figure out what I need to let go of. You know, I think in trying to be everywhere, which I know is great for the brand, it's like impossible with me and some of the team members to manage it all. And so I think I'm trying to figure out like, what, what can I lose right now? What, Mm. what can I get rid of? Totally. Yeah. What, what's exciting you the most right now? I think that as, as awful as the pandemic has been for so many reasons, whether it was losing loved ones, people losing their income, the economy being decimated. Mm -hmm. If we just take the microcosm of what we've learned as entrepreneurs within my company, how I've seen the team rally, the culture improve, all the things you thought you had to have Mm -hmm. that you just don't. And I think a good example is just creating an ad for our social paid social. We, we were never spending millions or even hundreds of thousands. It was maybe $10,000 a couple times a year. When the pandemic happened, I had to just film them in my backyard mm. and they got more engagement and more views and more whatever than, than anything we've done professionally. <laughs> and so I think there's so many learnings that we're able to take. Like we don't need all these things we thought we did to be successful. Mm. And so that simplification as, as it's a lot more work on all of us, but that simplification of like, we don't need all the bells and whistles to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, I really appreciate. Oh man. I think there's so many things like that this year. Have you had anything in your family that you just are so grateful for, even though there were super challenging times, like what shifted for the dynamic of you and your fam through all of it? So much. So my husband and I would pride ourselves on, we'd get home pre-pandemic at 645 mm-hmm. every night. I was like, I'm only out two nights a week. It's not, you know, I'm spending a lot of time with my children. And I genuinely thought that I was, Mm -hmm. and I was traveling probably once or twice a month, but I was very judgmental of other moms who I felt like never saw their kids. Mm -hmm. And then the pandemic hit and we were home every night, all day, every day, (laughs) homeschooling the whole thing. And I was like, oh, I really missed a lot, you know? Mm -hmm. So to be able to see my two-year-old, like go from not talking to full negotiations about (laughs) free time. 
that's incredible. And I didn't mm-hmm. get that with my other two because I was working to be able to have dinner together, which we often didn't do because we would get home late or just these, these things that I didn't know I was missing to be able to see that was really valuable. And I think that in July, we moved in with my parents. We came down to Florida for a change of pace. And, you know, my parents are 73. I might never get this kind of intense time Mm. with them had this not happened. And so I'm so grateful that like, we're cohabitating as a family, as uncomfortable and annoying as it can be sometimes, but my children are getting to connect with them in a way that wouldn't have happened otherwise. Mm. So good. Okay. So let's see, this might be a hard question. What if you had, because you have three kids, right? Okay. What girl, boy? Boy, girl, boy. Okay. So if if you could only like handwrite them three lessons that you could leave them that they reflected on, what do you think those three lessons that you would write to them about life would be? To work your ass off, Hmm. to show your gratitude, not be grateful. Hmm. There's a big difference there. Mm -hmm. And to be humble and nice. Mm. I think, I think that there's not, you know, I think it's sad that a lot of things that people say when they meet me is like, you're so down to earth. And I'm like, it's so sad that that seems rare. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So that, that should, that should be normal. Mm -hmm. I love that. What is a, what is something that you wish more people knew about you? Like maybe, maybe there's, who knows, a notion of how, how people think that you are, or what is something that maybe you don't share that often? There's a side to me that like, uh, I can't, my friend calls it Becky unfiltered (laughs) and I can't share it for several reasons. (laughs) It's my truest self when I'm with like my friends Mm -hmm. and I don't have to worry about, I don't know. I don't want to say offending someone because it's not that I'm offensive, but there's like a, a way that I speak or funny things that I say that, you know, my friend was like, if your podcast was Becky unfiltered, you know, you'd get a million downloads an episode. So I just have a very humorous way of looking at things. And I think that that's what he means. And I think I have a humorousness towards certain situations that others would be freaking out in. Mm. And it's just hard to, A, it's hard to catch those moments and, and be like, do you want to see it when like all children are freaking out on an airplane causing mayhem and I'm sitting there just laughing because I don't know what else to do. You know, like, I don't know if that makes you want to buy a $300 bag. Probably doesn't want to make you buy. So I think we try and keep some level of like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's still a luxury purchase for so many people. And how do you maintain that? Mm -hmm. What what do you think are, are like some of the beliefs that you hold that have made you get through tough times? Like whether that's, you know, what people want to say, what makes you successful, what makes you happy. Like there are things with people, obviously there are clues that are left behind of successful people or people who lead a happy life or a fulfilled life. What do you think are some of those beliefs that you have held through your life that have always helped you navigate all everything, whether it's relationships, business. So I think I'm, I'm pretty good now. I've been tricked somewhat recently at spotting the toxic people in your life Mm -hmm. that suck the soul out of you. They suck your creativity and the really good ones are the ones you don't notice, right? They're the ones that are like, Oh, you look 
thinner today? And you're like, was I fat before? (laughs) Right. Or like, you know, you're not as tired as you once were. Mm. Well, I look tired. So it's like those, those little underhanded covert barbs. Hmm. Like those are the people that'll take you down quicker. You know, they make you feel like shit. They do stuff behind your back in business and personal. So I feel like I've gotten pretty good on my covert, covertly hostile type of person mm-hmm. and reading that out of my life. Um, acting quick on that kind of stuff too. Not being like, but they're trying to change or they mean well, like, yep. no, they want to, they want to see you go down. Hmm. So get them out of your life. I think that being a good communicator, uh, I'm not perfect by all means, but I, I do know that, you know, if you have a hunch, if something's wrong, if you're see, see, something feels weird or odd, like ask, ask questions, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I think being persistent, I think there's an invitation at every turn to quit, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. whether it's breastfeeding, running your business, trying to make a sale, there's an invitation to quit and mm-hmm. you just have to keep persisting. Yeah, that is so true. I've never looked at it that way. And it's it's so easy to want to lean in. It's so easy to want to lean into that. So when you recognize it, what do you do around it? Like you do you know what I mean? You spot the invitation. Are you kind of like, do you how do you how do you keep going? I feel like you you have to relook at like what's the longer plan here? Hmm. What what's the ultimate purpose? We can take the breastfeeding example. I was like, I want my kid to have the strongest immune system possible. Yeah. Science has shown that it's breast milk. So fuck it. I'll keep pumping six times a day to mm. feed my kid the, you know, the best thing they could mother nature made. Mm-hmm. That sucked, but I did it and I did it for a long time. So I think you have to like look at the the long term. How does this help me long term to survive? I love that. There's an actual there's a, an actual book on that. I wish I could think of it now, but that is the, actually they they show that's the proven thought process of people who follow through and reach their goals is they they put themselves instead of in the present pain, they put themselves like in the future, you know, success. So there's two methods to it. It's either put yourself in the future success or the pain of if you stop, like let yourself either sit in that one and then let it motivate you to think about the future success. And I think so often it's really easy just to be like well, this sucks right now. Or, you know, I don't want to do this again tomorrow instead of being like, let's really look long-term. I love that. All right. what? Tell, tell me about building teams around yourself to support, you know, your family, your business, all of that. Was that challenging in the beginning to like find teams, build teams? Is it still challenging? What does that look like? Yeah, it's been all of the above at many different phases. Um, as far as personal team, you know, I knew that as a working mother, I needed a nanny in New mm. York city at least. Yep. So that was critical. I call her the other, mo- the other mother. <laughs> yep. Um, and so, you know, she could be the one that I, I knew my children would not die with her. So that was mm. great. <laughs> and mm. she did our laundry and she cleaned. So that, that handled something that I feel very lucky that yeah. I didn't have to worry about. Um, my husband, you know, we from the beginning have a very equal partnership. Mm. There aren't there aren't gendered roles within the household. Yeah. He he will do the lunches or do the dishes, or I will, or cook or clean or wipe a tush. Like, mm-hmm. so that was very key to set those ground rules from the beginning. Mm-hmm. I didn't even have to set them. Some people do with their spouses, but it it was something that was, you know, just I guess that's how we both came to the table. As far as work, 
I feel like I maxed out at most. I managed a team of 18 and that was a lot. Yeah. And I was not good at it. Um, I also sometimes thought in order to manage as a woman, I almost have to be a therapist and that's never a healthy relationship to have with your staff. Yeah. You can be understanding, you can be empathetic, but you shouldn't be the place they go to, to cry. Mm. Uh, and then you're trying to fix everything all the time. Um, learn that lesson the hard way. Now I have, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It it was, yeah, it was never recommend being the the company therapist. Mm -hmm. Um, now I manage a team of three and I, that's a good size for me. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel like I can have enough direct input. I really love people that will take that baton and run. Mm. Um, I don't want to have to micromanage someone. And I finally feel like I have a team that they take that baton and you know, they're like ripping it hard. And so mm -hmm. if you find those people, do whatever you can to hold on to them because mm -hmm. they're gold. Yeah. What what are some things for you? So I'm sure you have your um, you know, your moments of like getting ideas and getting downloads and feeling like you're really connected to whatever you believe, God, universe, that whatever that feeling is that when you're really just like getting those fresh ideas, feeling really connected, what are some of the things that you are doing when you experience that, when you're getting those new ideas and feeling all of that energy and really connected? Anytime I read, mm. which is rare, but I do love to read. Mm. And anytime I can take a walk without a device mm. and just look out, anytime I'm in a room, not a physical room now. It's all virtual with other women. And I hear what they're doing and talking and working on. I would say during the pandemic, those three things have been where I go to have those. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Say, walking for me is like my number one. I literally, my husband and I have walked just about every day for the past 18 years that we've been together. And that's just been like, swear to you, I just want to write a book that says how to solve all your problems. And every page would say walk. So yeah. <laughs> it's like so huge. What do you feel like? So with, with walking for me, what is kind of your solution for solving problems? Like, do you have a process with what maybe you and your husband need to work something out? You got to work something out at work that's just like, you're not getting the answer yet. Okay. Work and husband are different. Okay. Work, I almost go into a mental Rolodex and the Rolodex is filled with possible solutions. Mm. So I'll be going there being like, could this work? Could this work? Could this work? What about this? Da, 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 da. And then, you know, sometimes I'll get on the phone with my brother or, uh, you know, our lawyer, who's a great thinker. And the three of us will just spitball strategies. And, you know, I call them like the ultimate chess game hmm. players because they're thinking of all the moves right now, but then what those moves will lead to. Hmm. So I feel like that's how I handle that. When I have something to work out with my husband, I'm getting better at it, but sometimes I just don't say anything and I'll sit there and he'll be like, is anything wrong? I'm like, nope, nope, it's fine. Nope, it's fine. <laughs> and then in the last, I would say a few months, I've been working on this. And so I just fucking vomit of the mouth. I'm mm -hmm. like, blah, 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 blah. You know, even if before he asked me, I'm like, I really don't like that blah. Mm. He'll be like, okay, great. <laughs> Thank you for telling me you're, you know what? And the other day he's like, you know what? You're totally right. Mm. And I won't do that anymore. And so I feel like it's just better to just get it yeah. out. Get it out in the moment or it turns into something ugly later. Oh my God. So final, final last thoughts on being 
you know, I know that your book is on Fearless and that's coming out soon, which I'm so incredibly excited about. In the future, where can we get that? I'll make sure that we link it all up. So you can pre-order it now on Amazon. Okay, amazing. Uh, I highly suggest pre-ordering because if you do that and you email your receipt to fearless at rebeccaminkoff.com, you get 25 bucks off any Rebecca Minkoff item. So amazing. basically a free book. Yes. And, or if you want to support independent bookstores, you can go to Books A Million. Amazing. So what I'm going to do on this, which is what so many women did for me when my book came out. Um, you guys, I'm going to do 10 books that I'm going to gift all 10 of you. So what we're going to do for that is you have to tag Rebecca and you have to tag myself and let us know what your biggest takeaway was from this podcast. And I will gift a book to the first 10 people who upload this interview with tagging Rebecca and tagging myself. So it's always the best way to share with the guest, you know, what they actually like, how they actually added value for your life. So Rebecca, I'm so grateful for you. I'm so excited for your book. Um, and all the places that we can find and follow you. At Rebecca Minkoff on almost all platforms. If you like Clubhouse, I'm on there now. If you want exclusive content, OnlyFans, if you want how-to content, Pinterest, business advice, LinkedIn, it's all at Rebecca Minkoff. Amazing. Thank you so much. And I'm so grateful for you. And you guys, again, we're going to give the 10 book giveaway. So make sure you tag her, tag myself, share your biggest takeaway, and I'll be sending the first 10 of you a book. And you guys, until next time, earn your happy. Bye, everyone. Thank you guys so much for spending this time with me on the Earn Your Happy podcast. I am so glad that you stopped by. If you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would love it, that would be absolutely amazing and we would be forever grateful. Also, please leave us a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving us an honest thought and honest comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more of. It would really help us out on our journey to helping thousands and thousands of people. Until then, don't forget to earn your happy. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye.